Uh, we want to go ahead and uh, cover a couple quick things uh, before we continue on with our service. Um, that is our memory verse for the month of December is uh, Matthew one twenty three, and uh, we've had uh, a few already say that as we've gone through this month. Uh, is there anybody this morning who would like to uh, quote this verse uh, at this time? Okay, we have a couple takers. So, Miss Mary, we'll start with you first. Great. Amen. Very good. And Brother Dan. Amen. Don't you love that verse? Don't you love that? Oh, we have Brother Scott back here. Yes, sir. Good work. Anybody else? All right. Well, let's all say it together here. Uh, ready, begin. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Matthew one twenty three. And I'm glad that he did come to dwell with us. And John says it this way. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, what a blessing that he would be willing to come down to this earth and trade all that he had in heaven uh, for what he had here on earth. Uh, not, not exactly a great trade when you think about the glories of heaven and coming and being born in a manger around a bunch of stinky barn animals. But he was willing to do that for you and for me because he loved us, and I so appreciate that. Well, a couple quick announcements. I do want to mention the service tonight at 5 o'clock. I hope that you'll plan to be here for that. Uh, we are starting a new series this morning that's going to be a four-service series. The series, if you haven't already guessed by the insert in your bulletin, uh, the title of the series is Fear Not, and uh, that's going to start this morning. And then the second message will be tonight at 5 o'clock. The third message is going to be on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, and then the fourth and final message of that series will be next Sunday morning at 1045. So I hope that if you're able to be there, I realize that this is a traveling week for a lot of people, uh, but if you are in town, I do want to encourage you to be here, and uh, for those who are watching online, uh, I do want to encourage you to be faithful to uh, tune into these uh, services as we go through this series on Fear Not. But uh, uh, I do want to encourage you, if you're able to be here tonight at 5 o'clock, uh, for that as we continue that series. And then Wednesday night uh, is going to be our Christmas family service. And again, I'm going to be continuing in, in that series. But uh, uh, we're going to have some special things together as, uh, as we combine uh, the teens and the children and the adults all in here together. So uh, we'll be sitting together as families and uh, enjoying that special uh, time right before Christmas. And then uh, that's really all we have for this week is uh, all we're doing today and then all we're doing on Wednesday night. And then I do want to encourage everybody to have a very wonderful and, and very Merry Christmas with your family and friends. Uh, but then next Sunday, we'll be having, of course, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday school, normal schedule. And then in the evening, 
Uh, if you notice in the bulletin, it says Thanksgiving service, and you're going, why? That's a typo. It's not a typo, actually. Uh, we actually did not have the opportunity to have our normal annual Thanksgiving service because of the weather that was coming through the area that night. And so I wanted to still do our Thanksgiving service. And uh, I looked at the calendar and I thought, we got to get it in before the end of the year. And so December, next Sunday night uh, at 5 o'clock is when we're going to do that Thanksgiving service. I realize it's in December. I realize that it's actually after Christmas. But I still think as we close out the year 2020, it still would be uh, very wise and uh, prudent for us to uh, give a service to thanking the Lord for as many blessings in our lives, yes, even in 2020. And so uh, I encourage you to be here next Sunday night for that. And then I'm excited about uh, the Preach the Word night. Uh, we're going to have a special service. The last service of 2020, we're going to have uh, about three guys from our church, three men, uh, who are going to deliver a message that night, uh, preach the Word of God to us. And uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a special night, and uh, I hope that you'll plan to be here for that. We'll not have a, a New Year's Eve service. We'll just have that Wednesday night, the 30th, at 7 o'clock, and uh, I'm excited about that. And uh, I hope that you'll plan to be there as we focus on preaching and uh, hearing from uh, three uh, or four of our men from our church. And so uh, that's going to be great. Then I want to remind you about the Christmas gift to Jesus. We've been collecting uh, donations for church planters, and uh, we're going to be giving that, uh, that Christmas gift to Jesus. We're going to be presenting that uh, in January to uh, several different church planters uh, that uh, make their, their needs known. And uh, we're excited about that. Thank you to those who've already given to that. If you'd still like to give, there's time to do that um, today, Wednesday night, all the way through next Sunday. Um, and uh, if you can, uh, just de designate uh, on your offering Christmas gift to Jesus. Um, and then coming up in January, uh, we'll be having our Vision Sunday. We'll be uh, announcing our theme and uh, our uh, kind of the direction we're going for the year here at Cornerstone, and that'll take place on the 10th of January. Some other things coming up, and I do want to encourage you to uh, be in prayer for our missionaries and our Missionary of the Month especially, uh, the shipments as they get ready to travel to Germany. Finally, after all these months of deputation, they're going to be uh, traveling to Germany on Saturday is when they're planning to do that. And I know they're excited to get there and get started with their ministry. Well, um, I do want to remind you about the offering, uh, the offering box back there. Of course, you can give online as well. Uh, but to be faithful in your tithes and offerings. If you're visiting with us today, this, this announcement doesn't apply to you. We're honestly glad that you're here. But for those of us who call Cornerstone our church home, let's be faithful to remember the Lord in giving. Uh, remember, it was the Lord who first gave to us, right? And the gift that he gave was the very greatest gift he could have given. He gave himself. He gave his son uh, for us. And so uh, we want to remember to be faithful in giving. And uh, so if you would uh, be mindful of that. Um, we don't, uh, we're not going to be passing an offering plate this morning, but uh, we do want to take time for an offering special or a little special before the message. And uh, this one comes by way of video. Um, the the Bullers, many, many of you may not know who they are. Um, they uh, haven't been able to be here due to the COVID 
concern, and uh, they have some serious health issues that uh, kind of require them to be very uh, isolated during this time. Uh, but uh, Avalyn, uh, their daughter, uh, wanted to participate in the Chris- children's Christmas program, and so she put together a, uh, a little video of her playing the piano. And uh, so we'll have a little special at this time, and then right after that we'll get into the message. So we'll go ahead and show that video at this time. Watching. Thank you, Abby, uh, for doing that, and uh, we're glad that you could participate in the service in that way. And by the way, the Buellers are very faithful to uh, watch our services, and I'm just so thankful. It's been an encouragement to us as we've gone through this uh, crazy year uh, to have those who just are faithful to watch and to be there and to be a blessing. Well, if you have a Bible this uh, morning, if, you're, if you would turn it uh, to Luke chapter number 1. And uh, Luke chapter number one. And as you're turning there, if you're physically able to do so, would you join me in standing for the reading of God's word? We're going to read Luke chapter one, verses five through 14. Luke chapter one, verses five through 14. The word of God says in verse number five, there was in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years." came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. When there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, He was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. 
and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. And let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for what you've already uh, done in our hearts during this service. Uh, Lord, the message that the children brought uh, was so special and wonderful and so true, and we uh, just appreciate that. But Lord, now as we come into your word, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Help us to be good hearers, but then help us to be good doers of what we hear. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would be pleased uh, with our response to the word of God as it goes forth today. We pray these things in Christ's name, for his sake, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So this morning, as I mentioned, we're going to start a brand new series called Fear Not. I believe this series is very appropriate and needed during this season that we find ourselves in right now. Now, we are indeed living in a strange time, a time when many people are being overcome by fear. And the truth is, many people do struggle with various types of fear. Uh, just for this message, I looked up some of the different phobias that are out there. And uh, I came across some that uh, I can understand, some that are a little out there, but this one I understand is cholrophobia. That is the fear of clowns. How many of you are a little afraid of clowns? They kind of freak you out, okay? Yes, I'm kind of in that category as well, although sometimes my wife has dressed up like a clown uh, for different children's ministry stuff, and uh, yes, I am afraid of her when she does that. Uh, uh, what about this one? Uh, sinophobia, uh, fear of dogs. Does anybody like that have a fear of dogs? Well, our niece... Uh, came to visit us uh, while we were uh, meeting up in Branson for Thanksgiving. And uh, when we came back to our house, we, of course, have our dog, Abby, and, uh, and our little five-year-old niece, Mariah. Um, she would, uh, at the very beginning of our visit there at the house, she was very afraid of the dog. In fact, she would tell us, I scared a dog. And uh, she kept saying, I, I, I cared. I cared of the dog. She didn't really know how to say the, the S part of the words. I, I cared of the dog. And, uh, and so she, I guess, had that fear. Then there's also uh, dentophobia, which uh, if you're afraid of uh, Brother Terry this morning, uh, he, this is the fear of dentists. I suffer from this phobia as well. Uh, this is one that I definitely uh, am struggling with, E-F-B-phobia. Uh, that's the fear of teenagers, and uh, I have two of them, and I am very scared of them. Uh, those of us here in Oklahoma, it would probably be not the best place for us to be living if we suffered from this next fear, and that is Lilaphobia. I can't even say it. It's so crazy. But here it is. It's the fear of tornadoes and hurricanes. And so uh, not a good place to live if, if you suffer from that one that I can't even pronounce. Apodophobia is the fear of feet. Uh, I may or may not know somebody who has that fear. Um, and then there's also uh, many of the teenagers suffer from this one. And this is scolionophobia. That's the fear of school. Uh, and they do suffer from that one, I'm sure. Now, there are some many l legitimate things going on right now that are 
uh, causing a lot of fear. Uh, COVID certainly is something that has caused a lot of fear. Uh, and uh, certainly we know that this virus is real. Uh, we uh, just got done dealing with it. And uh, it, is a, it, is, it is a real thing. But uh, it has also caused a lot of people to live in fear. Okay, well, now there's a vaccine that has come out, and, and uh, still others are living in fear of the vaccine. Um, but I have, uh, and I have a friend on uh, Facebook who uh, literally just simply said this uh, a couple days ago on Facebook, that they're more afraid of the vaccine than they are of the virus. And so uh, there are some people who are very scared of the virus. There's now people who are on the other side who are afraid of the vaccine. What about the future of our nation with the election situation? Uh, as we think about who's going to uh, sit in the Oval Office for the next four years, that thought causes some people to uh, break out in hives and anxiety and fretting and panicking. What about the specific unique things that are happening in our own individual lives that have the potential to produce fear? Uh, maybe it's a health issue that you're dealing with. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe the uncertainty of your job. Uh, maybe it's something financially related. Maybe it's something in your family that might cause fear. But whatever it is, I want us to know, look, the, God does not want us to live in fear. As God's people, He never intends us to live in fear. The only type of fear we're to have is the fear of God. And when we fear the Lord, we don't have anything else to fear. Remember what the Apostle Paul told Timothy. He told him, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so when we're walking around in fear, it's not because the Lord has put that in our hearts. Romans 8 and verse 15, here's what that verse says. Ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, she have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You see, as believers, we have the fact that God is our Heavenly Father and He's going to protect us. He's going to provide for our needs and we have nothing to fear. God doesn't want His people walking around fretting, panicking, scared of the boogeyman. No, and, and I understand this morning that there is a balance. Uh, all the things we talked about uh, require some concern, require some thought and some prudence and some wisdom. And I'm not saying that we don't need to uh, have some thought and to ignore those things. But we also don't need to let them cause us to live in fear and to be overcome by fear. The Bible says, a prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on or punish. See, the Bible says there's a, there's a balance of understanding what's going on, being discerning and, and having some wisdom, but also not living in fear either. Now, four times in the Christmas story, we hear the message, fear not. Once here in Luke, actually twice here in Luke chapter number one, uh, once in Matthew chapter 1, and once again in, Matthew, or in Luke chapter 2. And over the next four services, we're going to look at each one of the instances where uh, the message was given to an individual or individuals that they should not fear. And there was a, there was a time when, when fear came in the heart, and the message of Christmas was, hey, fear not. 
I believe that it's appropriate for us to go through this series right now with all that's going on in the world when we're tempted to fear, when we're tempted to be afraid, when we're tempted to, like as Mariah was, be cared of things around us. We don't have to be cared. We don't have to uh, be uh, panicking. We can walk with confidence knowing that God is in control. And so this morning we're going to focus on the very first instance when someone was told to fear not, right here in Luke chapter number 1. Look verse number 12 once again. When Zacharias saw him, the angel, the Bible says he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But then, in verse 13, the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias. And this morning, the message is, Fear not, Zacharias. But maybe you could insert your name there as well. Fear not, Eric. Fear not, Chucky. Fear not, Randy. Fear not. We don't need to fear. uh, Because God is on the throne and God is in control. So let's go through this passage together this morning and notice four aspects of this very first instance of the words, fear not, in the Christmas story. First of all, let's look at the description of this couple, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. The Bible gives us a pretty good description of this special couple that would end up giving birth to the forerunner of Jesus Christ, John the Baptist. And what does it say about this couple? Well, first of all, it says that they were faithful servants of God. In verse number 5, we find that Zacharias was a priest. Uh, Verse 5 says he was a certain priest named Zacharias, and he was of the course of Abbei. So the way that that worked was each of those priests basically had to serve for two weeks a year in the temple. And it wasn't usually back-to-back. It was usually one week, and then later in the year, they would have another week that they would serve. And uh, his course was Abbei. That's uh, where he kind of found himself. That was his schedule, so to speak. And uh, he faithfully served, and we find him faithfully serving in verse number 8. It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course... So he was fulfilling his duty, he was fulfilling his uh, ministry and his act of service for the Lord. And then we see Elizabeth there, uh, the Bible says he, she was of the daughters of Aaron. So uh, the daughters of Aaron indicates that she grew up in a priest's home. And uh, she knew what it was like to be involved in the ministry. She knew what it was like to be involved in serving the Lord and to being faithful her, her dad was, I'm sure, her granddad was, and, uh, and now her husband was. And so they together were faithful servants of God. And of course, the encouragement for all of us is to also be faithful servants of God as well. Faithful to the things of God, faithful to the house of God. I realize that for those who are watching this morning and can't be here because of health issues, uh, I understand that. And, and what I'm about to tell you is not a, is not a, uh, a slight on you, not, not to try to make you feel bad in any way, shape, or form. But at the same time, I, I came across a, a, a poll, a survey that was taken very recently. And uh, it was a Gallup poll that uh, was published on December 7th, so just about two weeks ago. And in this poll, what they were doing is they were uh, 
measuring and asking people about their mental health and how it's either improved or decreased from 2019 to 2020. And, uh, and as they asked those questions, they had a lot of different demographics that they were asking. And in every single demographic, there was a, you guessed it, a decrease in mental health status from 2019 to 2020. That's no shocker there, right? Every single demographic across the board, male, female, didn't matter what age, didn't matter uh, what uh, income level they had, they all decreased with the exception of one demographic. There was one demographic that actually increased from 2019 to 2020, only one. And by the way, they were the highest uh, percentage of... Uh, uh, of mental health uh, happiness, I guess you would say. And here's what the demographic was. Those who attended religious gatherings every week. The only demographic to increase in mental health from year over year, no matter, didn't matter what's going on in 2020, those who attended every week increased in their mental health. Uh, look, I want to just encourage us. Um, I realize that we need to be careful and we need to be prudent and wise about uh, what's going on around us. I understand that. We need to be safe and we need to protect ourselves and our families. However, we also still need to be faithful. And, and God's word is clear. So much the more as you see the day approaching, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. Not so much the less. Look, we need to be around one another. We need to be hearing God's word preached. And I realize we can do that on live stream, but I'm telling you, I've been watching the services on live stream for the last three weeks, and I'm telling you, it's not the same. <laughs> It's not the same. Boy, we had a hunger and a thirst to be here with you, and we couldn't wait to get back, and we are so glad to be back. But as we look at uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, we, we see, first of all, that they were faithful servants of God, and, and, of course, the encouragement for us is to be faithful servants of God as well. What else about them does the Bible make clear? Well, uh, also, they were obedient to God in verse number 6. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, and they were blameless. Do you realize that there was 613 laws that they were very faithful to obey and to be uh, careful to uh, walk in? This was a very faithful couple. They were obedient to God. And... Uh, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about to uh, the Christian life and, and where Jesus said, hey, if you love me, put a bumper sticker on your car. That's not what it says. If you love me, wear a shirt that says you all need Jesus. And by the way, I do like that shirt. And uh, if you have that, praise the Lord, good shirt to have. But that's not what Jesus said, though. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I believe if we were to go around the room this morning and say, hey, do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? All of us would say, yes, I do. But really the measuring stick that Jesus says is if you are obedient to the commandments of God. Well, I would say that uh, 
uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias were definitely ones who loved the Lord because they were obedient and they walked in all the commandments of the Lord. Well, not only were they faithful servants of God and obedient to God, but they also had no children. Verse number seven, they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. They had no children. And back in those days, it wasn't, a, it wasn't like they were trying to not have children. They were trying to have children. They wanted children. You could tell they did. Uh, because later on in verse number 18, I'm sorry, in verse number, uh, where is it? Verse number 15. No. Verse number 13, there it is. I finally found it. Uh, verse number 13, they had been praying for children. Because when the angel said to Zacharias, fear not, thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. They had been praying for children. They had been trying to have children, but, but they had no children. And as a result, it was a discouraging situation for them. I imagine that there are some here today who are in a, maybe a discouraging situation of your own. And you can relate to what Zacharias and Elizabeth are going through. Maybe, when it, uh, maybe it has to do with uh, children. Maybe it's something else. I think of Hannah uh, back in the uh, Old Testament in 1 Samuel when she was discouraged because she didn't have any children. And then uh, her, her husband comes along, Elkanah, and, and uh, he tries to be Mr. Encouragement, but he ends up putting his foot in his mouth like some of us husbands do once in a while. Uh, not that I've ever done that, but, uh, but uh, he did what, uh, what I've done actually uh, many times, and he says to Hannah to try to be an encouragement, am I not better to thee than ten sons? Would you quit your crying, babe? You've got me. Can you imagine? That's exactly what he said. And uh, Elkanah, uh, what not to say to your wife, that's uh, number one right there, Okay. No, you're not better than ten sons, especially not with a comment like that, you dum-dum. Well, Elizabeth and Zacharias had no, ch no child, and as a result, I'm sure that was a constant source of discouragement in their life. Then it gets worse. Fourthly, we see they were older. They were older. In verse number 7, it says they had no children because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well-stricken in years. In other words, it wasn't looking good for them having, having a kid anytime soon. Here's what he said in verse number 18, Zacharias did. He said, uh, I am an old man. And he said, my wife is well stricken in years. I don't know if that was a nicer way of saying she's an old lady too, but she's well stricken in years. That's maybe a, political, a politically correct way of saying she's one old lady. Uh, but uh, regardless of the fact is, they were too old to have children, at least in their mind, but not in God's mind. And so we see the description of the couple, but then let's look, number two, at the declaration of the angel. So here we go in verse number eight. It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot... So what he got to do this particular week was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And so that was one of the jobs that was given, and uh, that's, one of the, that's the one he, he got. And uh, the Bible says, The whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And then as he was there at the, uh, at the incense and he was looking at this, 
The Bible says in verse 11, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And he sees this angel and Verse number 12, when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Now, okay, Zacharias, you shouldn't have been afraid. Oh, really? How many years had it been since God appeared to man? and communicated with man. It had been over 400 years since God had communicated with mankind. And now all of a sudden, an angel of God shows up after four centuries of silence. And here comes this angel. And if I were Zacharias, I would have totally felt the same way. I would have been, according to verse 12, troubled, and fear would have fallen on me as well if I saw an angel of the Lord after 400 years of nothing. So 400 years of silence, God shows up. Now, it wasn't God who showed up. It was an angel, and we know the angel's name later on in verse number 19. It was Gabriel. Now, notice the uh, angel appeared to him not while Zacchaeus was sitting on his uh, lazy boy flipping channels and watching Netflix. Zacchaeus was busy serving the Lord. And that's, no, that's worth pointing out. It's significant the fact that the, the, the Lord decided to appear while Zach, Zacharias was busy serving. Look, have you ever noticed that it's a lot easier to steer a moving vehicle than it is a vehicle that's standing still? I was changing uh, brakes on Seth's car a few weeks ago and had to turn the, the wheel. And, and boy, it's not easy to do that when it's just sitting there in the garage doing nothing. But when you're, when you're driving, it's a whole lot easier to turn those wheels. Same thing it is for us in our own lives. When we're moving and doing something for the Lord, the Lord can then guide and direct We just sit there on our lazy boy waiting for God to show up. He may never show up if we're not willing to get up and do what we know we should do right now. And and Zacharias knew that he should be faithful serving the Lord, and he did, and that's when the angel showed up. Well, what did the angel declare to this man? Well, first of all, he declared that they would have John. That they would have John. Verse number 13 Thy prayer is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Of course, my last name is Johnson, so I kind of get excited about this. Uh, But verse number 15, uh, talking about John, here's the description of who John is. He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So here the angel says to Zacharias, my friend, you guys are going to have a baby. His name's going to be John. And guess what? He's going to be the one who's going to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus Christ, for the Messiah, the promised one. 
So he says, first of all, that they would have joy, John, but then secondly, he says that they would have joy. Joy, in verse number 14, he says, not only are you going to have John, but you're also going to have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. This was a message that they're going to have some tremendous joy. By the way, those of you who've had children, you know what it means to that moment that they come forth and uh, the joy that you experience. When Seth was born, it was just hard to explain the amount of joy and misery I had. No, uh, the joy. He came out and, and he had some severe bruising on his head. He actually looked kind of like an alien, I'm not going to lie. And, uh, and I was kind of concerned, like, is he going to stay like that? I mean... That's kind of scary looking. But my wife, she said, he is the cutest little boy I've ever seen. And I'm not just saying that because he's our kid. And I'm kind of like, are you looking at the same kid I am? Because this guy's got some weird stuff going on up here. And um, fortunately, that did go away over time, uh, sort of. But uh, no, he, he turned out to be a pretty good looking kid. Looks just like his dad. Just kidding. <laughs> Joy. There was joy. And guess what happened? Once he was born, uh, the angel promised in verse number 14, many shall rejoice at his birth. Well, many did rejoice at his birth. If you fast forward all the way to verse 58, it says, uh, verse 57 talks about, and she brought forth a son. Verse 58, her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. So many did rejoice when this little baby boy Uh, came forth. Now the reason that ultimately that they would have joy is because they would have the privilege of raising the forerunner of the Messiah. What a tremendous privilege. Jesus later said of John the Baptist, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women there hath not risen greater than John the Baptist. And Elizabeth and Zacharias were chosen to be his parents. I mean, can you imagine having the Lord say that about your son. You're like, yeah, I raised him. (laughs) Yeah, that's my boy. Yeah, you can have your awards and your trophies, but the, the son of God said, my son is the greatest who's ever been born of woman. That's my boy. And they got the privilege of, of having that. No wonder they had joy, but also The reason that they had joy is because this would mean that the coming of the Savior would be just around the corner. After 400 years, this appearance was the first event that would literally set in motion God's glorious plan to redeem mankind. What a privilege to be part of this, and they got to be. And so we see the declaration of the angel, but then I want us to notice number three, and we're almost done this morning, but I do want to finish this up. Number three, I want to see the doubt of Zacharias. As he gets this message from the angel, and it was a joyful message, the Bible says in verse number 19, uh, the Gabriel said, I, I'm come to show you these glad tidings. This is good news I'm sh- sharing with you. Zacharias responded in, in doubt. In verse number 18, as he hears this message, Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? And so first of all, we see the reason for his doubt here in verse 18. 
He says, I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. Like, it's impossible for us to have children. So you got the wrong number, angel. Uh, you know, got the wrong couple here. This ain't going to work. Like, we're too old for this, okay? And uh, he began to doubt. Now, instead of looking at how big the Lord was, instead he was focused on how big his problems were. And, and aren't we guilty of that at times? When we're facing something that's pretty big, a giant in our life, we, we focus on how big the giant is. But instead, we should be focused on how big our God is. And see, da David, as he faced Goliath, you remember that? He wasn't concerned with how big Goliath was. He was concerned with how big his God was. And he knew his God was way bigger than any giant he would ever face in his life. And that's, same, and that's true for you and I as well. He also forgot, Zacharias did, that this wasn't the first time in history that an older couple was told by the Lord that they would have a child in their old age. Remember way back in Genesis chapter 18 when God told Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son despite the fact that they were too well stricken in age and years? Remember that's when Sarah was caught laughing and she was confronted about it and she's like, oh, I wasn't laughing. Uh, yeah, you were laughing. Because you thought good, God couldn't do it. And then God asked this uh, rhetorical question to them. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Which, of course, the answer is a resounding no. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Later in Luke chapter 1, and we'll look at it a little bit more tonight, but we read these words. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. So, Zacharias, I understand the reason for your doubt, but your doubt uh, the reason is unfounded when you put God in the equation. It was Jeremiah who said this, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Friend, we don't have a reason to doubt God. You, you come up with an excuse. I'm sorry, God is bigger than your excuse. God is bigger than your reason, Zacharias. And God is bigger than the reasons that we give the Lord, that he can't do this because of that, because of this. Uh, yes, he can. A.W. Tozer said this, the father of fear is unbelief. That's a good statement. The father of fear is unbelief. When we stop believing that God can do something, and we stop having faith and trusting God, then that's going to produce fear. The father of fear is unbelief. So this morning, please, don't doubt the Lord like Zacharias did. He is still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so we see the reason for his doubt. But then secondly, let's look at the result of his doubt. Verse number 19, what happened because of his unbelief? Verse 19, the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb. Of course, the word dumb there doesn't just mean like we think and we use that word today. It means you're not thinking straight or not, not the sharpest knife in the drawer. No, no, it means that he couldn't speak. 
So behold, thou shalt be dumb and not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. So many Bible scholars believe that not only was he uh, dumb here and not able to speak, but he was also deaf because of this as well. If you go all the way over to verse 62, it says, They made signs to his father how he would have him called. Couldn't they have just talked, spoken to him and said, can you please let us know? They, may, they had to play charades or use sign language to say, please tell us what you want this baby's name to be. And uh, the result of his doubt was this dumbness that lasted for nine months. How many of you wives wish that would happen to your husbands? For nine months, your husbands don't say anything. Many wives are saying, he doesn't say anything anyway, so... I wonder if he already has this uh, particular judgment upon him. Uh, not real talkative at, how, at the house, but uh, the reason for his doubt, the result of his doubt. And then lastly here, I want us to look at the delight of Zacharias. Yes, he had doubt, but guess what? Nine months later, that doubt is out the window, and here comes the delight. Let's pick it up in verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. In verse 58, we read it about how there was great joy and how everybody rejoiced over this new little baby boy. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. So they called him Junior. And uh, his mother said, verse uh, 60, uh, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, Well, there is none of thy kindred that is called by this name, like that's a pretty unorthodox name. No one around us knows the name John. It's kind of like a lot of new parents now naming their kids all these weird names that are like, that's a different one. Uh, and that's kind of what this was ha- what was happening. They want John? Like, that doesn't make any sense. That's kind of a weird name. And so verse 62, uh, they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote, saying, His name is John, and they marveled all. In verse 64, his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. So instead of going, yeah, this thing is a, I can't believe what happened, this is terrible. No, he praised God. He was delighting in the Lord and the Lord's will for his life. And a couple thoughts here about this very quickly. He spoke, first of all, praise to God. Verse number 64, the first thing to come out of his mouth was praise, praise uh, to the Lord. And then in verse uh, 67 on through uh, 75, we see him praising God for uh, just how the Lord had worked in the past. I'll go ahead and read it very quickly. Verse 67, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Uh, This was not humdrum. This was not a religious monotony. No, he was excited about what God was doing here. Verse 70, as he spake by the mouth of, uh, uh, of his holy prophets, which have been since 
the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies, from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And so he first of all spoke praise to God. Then, secondly, we see him speaking prophecy for God. And here, verse 76, he turns his attention to the little boy. I imagine he's probably holding. He says, and thou, child, hey, John. And he gives him some prophecy. Thou shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Uh, he, he, I imagine he's looking at his son and going, son, you've got a tremendous purpose that is so unique. You get to be the one to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus, for the Messiah to come. And in verse 77, John, you also are going to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. And by the way, is that not our purpose as believers as well? To give knowledge of salvation unto those around us? Verse 78, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high have visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. And so the delight of Zacharias is is seen here. He went from doubt to delight. He went from a man of unbelief to a man of faith after seeing God do great mighty things. So this morning, we're going to wrap this up. What, What lessons, what takeaways should we have from this very first instance of the words fear not in the Christmas story? What what lessons can we learn? And while there's others that we could mention, here's ones that I wanted just to um, bring out real quickly. Uh, Number one, that we don't need to live in fear. That's the lesson that I want us to get this morning. Because God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I mean, humanly speaking, what Zacharias and Elizabeth having a child was impossible, humanly speaking. But not with God. And guess what? God hasn't changed. And God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, he's still in the miracle-working business. He still delights to do the impossible. Yes, even in 2020. We don't have to fear. By the way, living a life of faith is a great life. So by the end of their stay, my niece Mariah, that I mentioned at the beginning of the message... She was no longer cared of Abby. They actually formed quite a close friendship. And she didn't want to leave Abby. She loved Abby so much that while on a walk with my wife, Mariah, instead of calling her Aunt Julie, called her Abby. Because <laughs> she was so obsessed with this little dog that she had formed a friendship with. She was no longer cared of Abby. Lord, help us to, not, to no longer be cared of what's going on around us in this world. To live a life of faith knowing that God is in control and that God will provide and protect us. What else do we need to learn? Well, that God does indeed bless those who are faithful and obedient. This couple, why they were chosen, 
especially after Zacharias began to spew his excuses. God still chose to use them, I believe, because they were faithful. They were obedient. The Bible says most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. May the Lord help us here at Cornerstone Baptist Church to be found faithful. Uh, may God help us to be faithful. Uh, another lesson I was thinking about is this. Trust God's timing. You know, for all those years, they were well stricken in years, and for all those decades of trying and praying and, and uh, hoping that one day they would have a baby, taking these tests and it always coming back negative. Going, ah, kind of different from where we're at today. We kind of want, we want the negative tests. <laughs> and, uh, but back then, she wanted the positive test. She wanted to be tested positive for pregnancy. And uh, all those years of waiting and waiting and going, you know what? I guess God's not going to give us a kid. But God did give him a kid. And uh, maybe you're waiting for something from the Lord, and I'm, I'm just simply saying this this morning. God's never early, and he's never late. He's always right on time. Isaiah 55 tells us, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I realize you're thinking, hey, God, you're a little late here. Your, uh, your watch working, Lord? Uh, God's watch is working just dandy. Better than yours, by the way. And trust his timing. Uh, wait on the Lord and keep waiting on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And the last lesson that I was thinking about is this. While one of the messages of Christmas was to fear not, and that's what we're focusing on in this series, the very main message of Christmas is this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved us so much that he was willing to send himself to this earth to be born in a little humble manger, a horse trough. He was willing to do that so that you and I could have our sins forgiven could be made right with God, could spend eternity with him in a place called heaven. That's the main message of Christmas. Have you received that main message? That's the very most important lesson that we can take away from this lesson, this message today. Have you been saved? Have you come to Christ and believed on him? I want to encourage you to do that if you haven't done that. And for those of us who are saved, let's learn the other lessons that God has for us. To fear not. Yes, even in a situation that we find ourselves in here at the end of 2020 with all that's going around us, uh, going on around us in this world and in this country. Fear not. Let's hear that message and receive it this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be in your house, to look into your word, and to hear the message.